businesses around the world are assessing the potential impact of socio-economic and political uncertainty. This climate will influence their operations and the commercial and investment opportunities open to them. It is broader than Brexit. In our Broader Than Brexit series, we bring you insights from our team working at the intersection of business, government, politics, regulation and law, helping you to navigate the uncertainty ahead. In today's episode, we're joined by Susan Bright, Aline Dusson and Lourdes Cotrain to talk about the interpretation of a national security notion under World Trade Organization rules. Thank you, Aileen and Lourdes, for joining me. The term trade war seems to be dominating market commentary with reference to the US and China in particular. Before we dive into the main topic of today's episode, national security under WTO rules, perhaps we should take a moment to explain what the term trade war means as a point of international trade. Thank you, Suzanne. That is indeed a really interesting question. So what does trade war mean? Well, we consider that a trade war happens when one country retaliates against another by raising import tariffs or placing other restrictions on the opposing country's imports. In today's global economy, a trade war can become very damaging to businesses and to consumers, and it can have and has had already spillover effects to other countries and to many other sectors of the economy. For example, in 2018, the U.S. introduced national security tariffs on imports of steel and aluminium on the basis that these imports threaten to impair U.S. national security. More specifically, the U.S. found that imports of steel and aluminium weakened the U.S. internal economy. They also resulted in the persistent threat of further closures of U.S. domestic steel production facilities and left the U.S. almost completely reliant on foreign producers of aluminium. These national security tariffs led a number of WTO members, such as the European Union, China, Turkey, Russia, India, and Canada, to introduce their own retaliatory tariffs against U.S. products, as well as to initiate challenges against these U.S. measures before the World Trade Organization. Last week, the World Trade Organization authorized the U.S. to impose $7.5 billion worth of sanctions. This is the biggest authorization of countermeasures in the organization's history, and it relates to the U.S. case against the EU over subsidies to Airbus. The EU expects to be awarded also a significant amount of retaliation and hit back the U.S. next summer when the WTO is very likely to rule that the U.S. was also in violation of subsidy rules via tax breaks to Boeing. More importantly, next month, so that is just like a few weeks from, from now, we are expecting the U.S. decision on whether imports of cars and car parts could also threaten to impair U.S. national security. In parallel, the U.S. and China have engaged in a tit-for-tat tariff exchange that has had and continues to have dire consequences for global operators as well as for the global economy. 
Following four rounds of new tariffs, the U.S. currently subjects 200 billion worth of Chinese imports to a 25% additional duty, while China subjects around 60 billion worth of U.S. imports to a 25% additional duty. Thank you, Lourdes. The role of trade wars and economic protectionism and the extension international security issues is something that academics have grappled with for a while, but it's clearly now becoming a real business issue. The rules governing when security interests prevail over trade interests and when they do not have recently come into focus for members of the WTO. Aileen, can you tell us why is that? Well, first of all, it's worth bearing in mind that trade measures that are adopted on uh, national security grounds are unilateral by nature. And as such, they go in direct contradiction with the spirit and the letter of the multilateral trading system and the WTO that is built on the principles of cooperation, consensus and and negotiations uh, between all the WTO members. The WTO agreement itself expressly states that all disputes between members must follow the WTO dispute settlement process. And as, it, as evidenced by the current developments on, on, on the existing trade wars, unilateral tariff increases have an immediate impact on global trade itself and uh, global economic forecasts. So for these reasons, the security exceptions that can be found and exist under uh, several WTO agreements, including Article 21 of the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade, the so-called GATS, uh, have very rarely been used over the past 70 years. And it's only over the past two years that we see uh, a resurgence of this exception being brought to the WTO dispute settlement body. Thank you. So what does Article 21 of GATT cover? Can you put it into context for us? Sure. So Article 21 of uh, the 1994 GATT states that the agreement, uh, I quote, shall not prevent any contracting party from taking any action which it considers necessary for the protection of its essential security interests. And subsections uh, to uh, this article clarify that a WTO member can invoke this exception, for instance, in times of war or other emergency in international relations. And the whole um, uh, argument as, as, uh, uh, as currently presented to the WTO really relates to that notion of emergency in international relations and whether it can go beyond instances of war to include much more uh, economic protectionism uh, agendas. To put this in context, in the disputes that uh, several WTO members brought against the U.S. uh, unilateral duties on steel and aluminium, the USTR, the trade negotiator for uh, the U.S., uh, invoked Article 21 to justify the increased tariffs given the key role that steel and aluminium play in the U.S. national defense. So that is where the U.S. argument lies. But in a recent ruling issued in April 2019, the WTO um, dispute settlement body interpreted emergency in international relations strictly 
and concluded that political or economic differences between WTO members would not be sufficient to claim a national security exception. In a sense, this goes in direct contradiction with the current USTR position. We will have to wait and see whether the WTO panel upholds this strict interpretation of Article 21 when the US steel and aluminium judgment lands. What's the single biggest risk resulting from the increased measures on the basis of national security in the field of trade, Lourdes? Probably the end of multilateralism. The recent global wave of nationalism could significantly undermine efforts to reach multilateral trade solutions. And it could also lead to further international tensions. Further, the World Trade Organization dispute settlement body may soon no longer be able to perform its vital task if the U.S. continues to block the appointment of a party body members, which it has now been doing for three years before President Trump took office, and he has done so on the fact that it essentially considers unreasonable for an international body to rule on U.S. national rules. The World Trade Organization dispute settlement body requires at least three members be assigned to every case brought before the appellate body. Put it differently, the appellate body can function only as long as it has at least three members. There were seven members in December 2016. Less than two years later, there are only three members, and out of these three members, two will complete their term in December this year. This means that the appellate body will effectively be shut down if a solution is not found by December 2019. Worse, the appellate body shutdown could even occur earlier if any of the three remaining members were to recuse from a dispute on the basis of impartiality reasons. Lourdes, the European Union and various EU member states are actively strengthening their foreign direct investment screening mechanisms amid increasing global trade and geopolitical tensions. Is there any relationship between the proliferation of national security measures and the current expansion of foreign investment screenings? There is indeed an increased number of measures being adopted on the basis of national security and in particular regarding the foreign direct investment mechanisms that generally aim to protect strategic national and regional interests linked to a variety of sectors such as critical infrastructure, energy, transport, water, health, communications, electoral and finance. It also sometimes covers critical goods and technology, dual-use items, airspace, defense and artificial intelligence, as well as critical inputs such as raw materials and food security. As of today, there is no EU-wide screening mechanism And this is a difference with the United States where there is the the so-called Commission on Foreign Investment. However, 15 out of 28 EU member states have in place different policies and mechanisms for securing their vital national security interests when foreign direct investment takes place in their territory. These mechanisms are diverse in their nature and procedures. 
they aim to address challenges raised by foreign direct investment into sectors that are deemed sensitive or strategic to their economy and national security. In addition, in March this year, the EU adopted the framework for a foreign direct investment screening in the EU. This regulation will be fully applicable as from 11th of October 2020. This new EU framework is part of the global trend towards strengthening controls for foreign takeovers on national security grounds. Investment screening mechanisms are also in place in many other countries worldwide, including China, Canada, India, Japan, Australia, and the US. That's really interesting, Lourdes. Uh, Turning to Aileen, what does this mean for future trade relations between the US, the EU, and the UK? Well, what we see is national security is now part of, of the trade uh, legislative uh, agenda. And we see in the context of trade wars, but also other trade measures that the way either the laws are being adopted, but also how they are enforced, uh, being very sort of uh, economic um, uh, driven. Uh, however, what's, what's interesting um, uh, to note is that this national security exception that are being sort of uh, talked about and argued in the context of trade wars and tariffs from a U.S. perspective are much broader. And we see a U.S. Uh, national security agenda that go beyond uh, tariffs themselves to touch on uh, CFIs and the reform of uh, foreign direct investment screening reviews in the U.S., under uh, a broader interpretation of national security grounds from a U.S. perspective, we also see the use of export control and extraterritorial application of U.S. export control laws outside of the U.S., uh, being enforced um, to pursue a national security agenda, um, notably with regards to China, for instance. So there is a broader agenda that goes beyond trade wars and tariffs that is being contemplated by by the US uh, as we speak. Having said that, what's what's worth keeping in mind and the audience to know is that it's it's not only the US. The EU and the UK are responding to what the US uh, is currently doing, but they are also themselves looking at including national security legislative agenda within their own body of of laws. The UK has been talking about adopting uh, or increasing its foreign direct investment screening laws independently from what um, the US are doing. France, Germany, Italy are all doing the same um, independently and even outside of what the EU regulation are looking at. And we see other type of legislative agenda, for instance, the, the response um, uh, in Europe against the Cloud Act in the US or uh, broader consideration on responding to the extraterritorial reach of, san- of US sanctions laws in the EU by adopting blocking status as something that is, of course, uh, national security grounded, if I I may say so. In terms of looking ahead within the, for the next 10 years, we would expect that this national security agenda will be carried out more aggressively, not only by the US, but also by uh, the EU member states and, and the UK uh, separately and independently. So I think what we see coming out of the U.S. is not is not necessarily sort of uh, an as isolationist view of the world, and 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 we will see other uh, trading partners and WTO members 
uh, increasingly arguing that economic uh, protectionism measures should be part of the glo- their global trade uh, policy agenda. Thank you both for sharing your insights about the interpretation of the concept of national security and WTO rules. And thank you to those of you listening. To discuss how Brexit and broader political, policy and legal forces might impact your business and how you can best prepare, do get in touch with us. You can contact a member of our Brexit task force or email brexit at hoganlovels.com. Our latest thinking on these issues is available on our Brexit hub at hoganlovels.com forward slash Brexit. You can also sign up for our regular Brexit bulletin email on the hub using the button at the top of the page. Thank you.